Uh, we're into the Bible in a year, week five. Um, so far we've gone through Genesis and Job and we're into Exodus and the plagues and the, the Israelites as they're trying to leave Egypt and the discussions that are going on between Moses and Pharaoh. Um, hope so far you've been able to, to keep up a little bit. If you haven't if you haven't been able to keep up or been struggling to keep up, um, simply get in touch or you, you don't have to do it over the year. You can spread it out longer if that's something you would like. But using this Bible and the way in which we're doing it, it's best to try and keep it in a chronological and keep going through them in this order. So this is Bible on a year week five. If you want to stretch it out, keep going, but keep using the same order. Because at the minute we go into Exodus chapter 11 through to 13. Um, we look at some of the more um, the plagues that God puts upon the Egyptians. So we begin at Exodus chapter 11, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you out of here. Now announce to the people that both men and women should ask their neighbours for gold and silver jewellery. The Lord gave the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians. And the man Moses was feared in the land of Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt, and every firstborn male in the land of Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, to the firstborn of the servant girl who is behind the millstones, as well as every firstborn of the livestock. Then there will be a great cry of anguish, anguish throughout all the land of Egypt, such as never was before or ever will be again. But against all the Israelites, whether man or beast, not even a dog will snarl, so that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come down to me and will bow before me, saying, Leave you and all the people who follow you. After that I will leave. And he left Pharaoh's presence in fierce anger. Pharaoh said to him, Leave me. Make sure you never see my face again, for on the day you will see my face you will die. As you've said, Moses replied, I will never see your face again. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go out of his hand. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's households, one animal per household. If the household is too small for the whole animal, that person in the neighbour nearest his house or to select one based on the combined number of people, you should apportion the animal according to what each, each person can eat. You must have an unblemished animal, a year-old meal, that you take from either the sheep or the goats. You are to keep it until the 14th day of this month, then the whole assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at twilight. They must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat them. They are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or cooked in boiling water, but only roasted over a fire, its head as well as its legs and the inner organs. Do not let any of it remain until morning. 
you must burn up any part of it that does not remain until morning. Here is how you must eat it, dressed for travel, your sandals and your feet and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn meal in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. For I am the Lord. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be distinguishing will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You must eat unleavened bread for seven days. On the first day you must review, remove yeast from your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. You are to hold a sacred assembly on the first day and another a sacred assembly on the seventh day. No work may be done in those days except for preparing what people need to eat. You may do only that. You are to observe the festival of unleavened bread because on this very day I brought your ranks out of the land of Egypt. You must observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You are to eat unleavened bread in the first month from the evening of the 14th day of the month until the evening of the 21st day. Yeast must not be found in your houses for seven days. If anyone eats something leavened, that person, whether a foreign resident or native of the land, must be cut off from the community of Israel. Do not eat anything leavened. Eat unleavened bread in all your homes. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go, select an animal from the flock according to your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a cluster of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and brush the lintel and the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. None of you may go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, he will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter your houses to strike you. Keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you are to observe this ritual. When your children ask you, what does this ritual mean to you? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of, it, of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our homes. So the people bowed down and worshipped. Then the Israelites went and did this, just as they did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Now at midnight the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and every firstborn of the livestock. During the night Pharaoh got up, he along with all his officials and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud wailing throughout Egypt, because there wasn't a house without someone dead. He summoned Moses and Aaron during the night and said, Get up, leave my people, both you and the Israelites, and go. Worship the Lord as you have asked. Take even your flocks and your herds as you have asked and leave, and this will also be a blessing to me. Now the Egyptians pressured the people in order to send them quickly out of the country, for they said, We're all going to die. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, with their kneading bowls wrapped up in their cloths on their shoulders. The Israelites acted on Moses' word and asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewellery and for clothing. 
And the Lord gave the people such favor in the Egyptians' sight that they gave them what they requested. In this way, they plundered the Egyptians. The time when the Israelites lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, on the same day, all the divisions of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of vigil in honor, honor of the Lord, because he would bring them out of the land of Egypt. This same night is in honor of the Lord, a night vigil for all the Israelites throughout their generations. And here we quickly jump into Numbers 33, 1-5. These were the stages of the Israelites' journey when they went out from the land of Egypt by their military divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses wrote down the starting points for the stages of their journey, these are the stages listed by their starting points. They departed from Ramesses in the first month on the 15th day of the month. On the day after the Passover, the Israelites went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying every firstborn meal the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had executed judgments against their gods. The Israelites departed from Ramesses and camped at Succoth. And back into Exodus 12, 37 to 51. The Israelites travelled from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 soldiers on foot beside their families. An ethnically diverse crowd also went up with them, along with a huge number of livestock, both flocks and herds. The people begged the dough they had brought out of Egypt into unleavened loaves, since it had no yeast. For when they had been driven out of Egypt, they could not delay and had not prepared any provisions for themselves. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner may eat it, but any slave a man has purchased may eat it after you have circumcised him. A temporary resident or hired hand may not eat the Passover. It is to be eaten in one house. You may not take any of the meat outside the house, and you may not break any of its bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. If a foreigner resides with you and wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover, every meal in his household must be circumcised, and then he may participate. He will become like a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person may eat it. The same law will apply to both the native and the foreigner who resides among you. Then all the Israelites did this. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. On that same day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt according to their military divisions. And there we end day 29. Bible in a Year, day 30, going from Exodus 13, verse 1 through to 15, 21. And stopping off again, as we sometimes do in other parts, uh, this time we read just a couple of verses in Numbers 33 to split up this reading in Exodus. But we start off at Exodus 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, Consecrate every firstborn meal to me, the firstborn from every womb among the Israelites, both man and animal. It is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. Nothing leavened may be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are leaving. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers that he would give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you must carry out this ritual in this month. For seven days you must eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there is to be a festival to the Lord. Unleavened bread is to be eaten for those seven days. 
Nothing leaven may be found among you, and no yeast may be found among you in all your territory. On that day explain to your son, This is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Let it serve as a sign for you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead, so that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand. Keep this statue at its, statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers and gives it to you, you are to present to the Lord every firstborn meal of the womb. All firstborn offering, offspring of the livestock you own that other meals will be the Lord's. You must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. In the future, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of man to the firstborn of livestock. That is why I sacrifice to the Lord all the firstborn of the womb that are males, but I redeem all the firstborn of my sons. So let it be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead, for the Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. For God said, The people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. So he led the people around toward the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Moses took the bones of Joseph with, Joseph with him, because Joseph had made the Israelites swear a solemn oath, saying, God will certainly come to your aid. Then you must take my bones with you from this place. So they set out from Succoth and camped at Etham on this edge of the wilderness. And here we just jump into Numbers 33, verse 6 quickly. They departed from Succoth and camped at Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. And going back into Exodus 13, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night, so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pihirithor, between Migdol and by the sea. You must camp in front of Baal Zephon, facing it by the sea. And then in Numbers 33, verse 7, They departed from Etham and turned back to Pihirithor, which faces Baal, Zephon, and they camp before Migdal. And then back into Exodus, and Exodus 14, verse 3, through to 15, 21. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, They are wandering around the land in confusion. The wilderness has boxed them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. Then I will see, receive glory by means of Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the people and asked, What have we done? We have released Israel from serving us. So he got his chariot ready and took his troops with him. He took 600 of the best chariots and all the rest of the chariots of Egypt, with officers in each one. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the Israelites who were going out triumphantly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, his horsemen and his army, chased after them and caught up with them as they camped by the sea beside Piharithor in front of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians coming after them. 
Then the Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you took us to die in this wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation he will provide for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You must be quiet. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to break camp. As for you, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I am going to harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will receive glory by means of Pharaoh, all his army, and his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelite forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and Israelite forces. The cloud was there in the darkness, yet it lit up the night. So neither group came near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. The Egyptians set out in pursuit, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. Then during the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw them into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back on the Egyptians, on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord overthrew them in the sea. The waters came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. None of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground, with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in him and in his servant Moses. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. He threw Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea. The elite of his officers were drowned in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Lord, your right hand is glorious in power. Lord, your right hand shattered the enemy. You overthrew your adversaries. By your great majesty, you unleashed your burning wrath that consumed them like stubble. The waters heaped up at the blast of your nostrils. The current stood firm like a dam. The watery depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire will be gratified at their expense. 
I will draw my sword, my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You will lead the people you have redeemed with your faithful love. You will guide them to your holy dwelling with your strength. When the peoples hear, they will shudder. Anguish will seize the inhabitants of Felicia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be terrified. Trembling will seize the leaders of Moab. The inhabitants of Canaan will panic. And terror and dread will fall on them. They will be as still as a stone because of your powerful arm until your people pass by. Lord, until the people whom you purchased pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your possession. Lord, you have prepared the place for your dwelling. Lord, your hands have established the sanctuary. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses with his chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. And there we end day 30. Day 31, I'm just continuing on through Exodus, uh, in Exodus 15, starting at 15.22, through to 18, uh, 19, verse 8. And again, we stop off in quite a few of Numbers 33 along the way, which details a lot of the, the same things that happen. And because of the chronological way we're doing it, you end up jumping in uh, and out of these. So we start at Exodus 15 and read only verse 22 before getting into Numbers. Then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. And then into Numbers 33, verse 8. They departed from Pi-Hariroth and crossed through the middle of the sea into the wilderness. They took a three-day journey into the wilderness of Etham and camped at Marah. And then back into Exodus 15, 23 to, uh, 23 to 27. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water at Marah because it was bitter. That, why it, that is why it was named Marah. The people grumbled to Moses, What are we going to drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. He made a statute and ordinance for them at Marah, and he tested them there. He said, If you carefully obey the Lord your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands, and keep all his statutes. I will not inflict any illness on you I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there by the waters. In Numbers 33, verse 9, they departed from Marah and came to Elim. There were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms at Elim, so they camped there. Exodus 16, verse 1, the entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. Numbers 33, 10, 11, they departed from Elam and camped by the Red Sea. They departed from the Red Sea and camped in the wilderness of Sin. Exodus 16, uh, from verse 2, right through the end of 16. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. 
the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the Lord's glory, because he has heard your complaints about him. For who are we that you complain about us? Moses continued, The Lord will give you meat to eat this evening and abundant bread in the morning, for he has heard the complaints that you are raising against him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. As Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness, and there in a cloud the Lord's glory appeared. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So in the evening quail came and covered the camp. In the morning there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, there on the desert surface were fine flecks, as fine as frost in the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, What is this? Because they didn't know what it was. Moses told them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual, according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot, some a little. When they measured it by quarts, the person who gathered a lot had no surplus, and the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. Moses said to them, No one is to let any of it remain until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. Some people left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and smelled. Therefore Moses was angry with them. They gathered it every morning, and each gathered as much as he needed to eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, four quarts apiece, and all the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. The house of Israel named the substance manna. It resembled coriander seed, was white, and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Two quarts of it are to be preserved throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses told Aaron, Take a container and put two quarts of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be preserved throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron placed it before the testimony to be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for forty years and then until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they reached the border of the land of Canaan. Two quarts or tenth of an ephah. He told them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, and everything left over set aside to be kept until morning. So they set it aside until morning as Moses commanded, and it didn't smell or have any maggots in it. 
Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you won't find any in the field. For six days you may gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Yet on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they did not find any. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and instructions? Understand that the Lord has given you this Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he will give you two days' worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. No one is to leave his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. The entire Israelite community left the wilderness of sin, moving from one place to the next according to the Lord's command. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Then in Numbers Numbers 33, 12-14, they departed from the wilderness of Sin and camped at Dophach. They they departed from Dophach and camped at Alush. They departed from Alush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. And then back into Exodus 17. So the people complained to Moses, Give us water to drink. Why are you complaining to me? Moses replied to them. Why are you testing the Lord? But the people there thirsted for water and grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you ever bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? In a little while they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the rod you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. I am going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites complained and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this down in a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named, The Lord is my banner. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. The Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. Moses' father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything that God had done for Moses and his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken in Zephorah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, along with her two sons, one of whom was named Gershom, because Moses had said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land, and the other Eliezer, because he had said, The God of of my father was my helper and delivered me from Pharaoh's sword. Moses' father-in-law Jethro, along with his wife and sons, that's Moses' wife and sons, came to him in the wilderness where he had camped at the mountain of God. He sent word to Moses, 
I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down and then kissed him. They asked each other how they had been and went into the tent. Moses recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that had confronted them in the way, and how the Lord had delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the Egyptians. Blessed is the Lord, Jethro exclaimed, who rescued you from Pharaoh and the power of the Egyptians and snatched the people from the power of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he did wonders at the time the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, burnt up, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in God's presence. The next day Moses sat down to judge the people, and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses replied to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me and inquire of God. Whenever they make a dispute, it comes to me, and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. What you're doing is not good, Moses' father-in-law said to him. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, because this task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you some advice, and God be with you. You be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws and teach them the way to live and what they must do. But you should select from all the people able men, God-fearing, trustworthy and hating bribes. Place them over the people as officials of thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you the very important cases but judge every minor case themselves. In this way you will lighten your load and they will bear it with you. If you do this and God so directs you, you will be able to endure and also all these people will be able to go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. So Moses chose able men from all Israel and made them leaders over the peoples as officials of thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They judged the people at all times, the hard cases they would bring to Moses, but every minor case they would judge themselves. Then Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law and he journeyed to his own land. In the third month, on the same day of the month that the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. After they had departed from Rephidim, they entered the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Numbers 33, verse 15. They departed from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. And then back in the Exodus 19. Moses went up to the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, this is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you in eagle's wings and brought you to me. Now if you will listen to me and carefully keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although all the earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. After Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people 
and put before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. Then all the people responded together, We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. There we end day 31. Day 32, going from Exodus 19, verse 9, through to 21, verse 36. And this is a very straightforward day after the last number. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Then Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, go to the people and purify them today and tomorrow. They must wash their clothes and be prepared by the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put boundaries for the people all around the mountain and say, be careful that you don't touch, that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. Anyone who touches the mountain will be put to death. No hand may touch him. Instead, he will be stoned or shot with arrows. Neither animal or man will live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. Then Moses came down from the mountain to the people and consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. He said to the people, Be prepared on the third day. Do not have sexual relations with women. On the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a loud trumpet sound, so that all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it with fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain shook violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke with God and answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain. Then the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain and he went up. The Lord directed Moses, Go down and warn the people not to break through to see the Lord, otherwise many of them will die. Even the priests who come near the Lord must purify themselves, or the Lord will break out in anger against them. But Moses responded to the Lord, The people cannot come up on Mount Sinai since you warned us. Put a boundary around the mountain and consider it holy. And the Lord replied to him, Go down and come back with Aaron, but the priests and the people must not break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out in anger against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have any other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sins to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will punish anyone who misuses his name. Remember to dedicate the Sabbath day, you are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord, Lord made the heavens and the earth. 
the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his female or male slave, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain surrounded by smoke. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses, but don't let God speak to us or we will die. Moses responded to the people, Don't be afraid, for God has come to test you, so that you will fear him and will not sin. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Then the Lord told Moses, This is what you are to say to the Israelites. You have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You must not make gods of silver to rival me. You must not make gods of gold for yourselves. You must make an earthen altar for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats as well as your cattle. I will come to you and bless you in every place where I cause my name to be remembered. If you make a stone altar for me, you must not build it out of cut stones. If you use your chisel on it, you will defile it. You must not go up to my altar on steps so that your nakedness is not exposed on it. These are the ordinances that you must set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he is to serve for six years. Then in the seventh, he is to leave as a free man without paying anything. If he arrives alone, he is to leave alone. If he arrives with a wife, his wife is to leave with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children belong to her master and the man must leave alone. But if the slave declares, I love my master, my wife and my children, I do not want to leave as a free man. His master is to bring him to the judges and then bring him to the door or doorpost. His master must pierce his ear with an awl and he will serve his master for life. When a, man, when a man sells his daughter as a slave, she is not to leave as the male slaves do. If she is displeasing to her master who chose her for himself, then he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has acted treacherously towards her. Or if he chooses her for his son, he must deal with her according to the customary treatment of daughters. If he takes an additional wife, he must not reduce his food, clothing or marital rights of the first wife. And if he does not do these things for her, she may leave free of charge without any exchange of money. Whoever strikes a person so that he dies must be put to death. But if he didn't intend any harm and yet God caused it to happen by his hand, I will appoint a place for you where he may flee. If a person willfully acts against his neighbour to murder him by scheming, you must take him from my altar to be put to death. Whoever strikes his father or his mother must be put to death. Whoever kidnaps a person must be put to death, whether he sells him or the person is found in his possession. Whoever curses his father or his mother must be put to death. When men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or fist, and the injured man does not die but is confined to bed, if he can later get up and walk around outside leaning on his staff, then the one who struck him will be exempt from punishment. 
Nevertheless, he must pay for his lost work time and provide for him his complete recovery. When a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod and the slave dies under his abuse, the owner must be punished. However, if the slave can stand up after a day or two, the owner should not be punished because he is his owner's property. When men get in a fight and hit a pregnant woman so that her children are born prematurely, but there is no injury, the one who hit her must be fined as the woman's husband demands from him, and he must pay according to judicial assessment. If there is an injury, then he must give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, bruise for bruise, wound for wound. When a man strikes the eye of his male or female slave and destroys it, this, he must let the slave go free in compensation for his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his male or female slave, he must let the slave go free in compensation for his tooth. When an ox scores a man or a woman to death, the ox must be stoned and its meat may not be eaten, but the ox's owner is innocent. However, if the ox was in the habit of goring and its owner had been warned yet does not restrain it and it kills a man or a woman, the ox must be stoned and its owner must be also put to death. If instead a ransom is demanded of him, he can pay a redemption price for his life in the full amount demanded from him. If it gores a son or daughter, he is to be dealt with according to this same law. If the ox gores a male or female slave, he must give 30 shekels of silver to the slave's master and the ox must be stoned. When a man uncovers a pit or digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit must give compensation. He must pay money to its owner, but the dead animal will become his. When a man's ox injures his neighbour's ox and it dies, they must sell the live ox and divide its proceeds. They must also divide the dead animal. If, however, it is known that the ox was in the habit of goring, yet its owner had not restrained it, he must compensate fully, ox for ox, the dead animal will become his. There we end day 32. Day 33, reading from Exodus 22, verse 1 through to Exodus 25, verse 9. And we go on with War of God's Covenant with Israel. When a man steals an ox or a sheep and butchers it or sells it, he must repay five cattle for the ox or four sheep for the sheep. If a thief is caught in the act of breaking in and he has beaten it to death, no one is guilty of bloodshed. But if this happens after sunrise, there is guilt of bloodshed. A thief must make full restitution. If he is unable, he is to be sold because of his theft. If what was stolen, whether ox, donkey or sheep, is actually found alive in his possession, he must repay double. When a man lets a field or vineyard be grazed in and then allows his animals to go and graze in someone else's field, he must repay with the best of his own field or vineyard. When a fire gets out of control, spreads to thorn bushes and consumes stacks of cut grain, standing grain or a field, the one who started the fire must make full restitution for what was burned. When a man gives his neighbour money or goods to keep, but they are stolen from that person's house, the thief, if caught, must repay double. If the thief is not caught, the owner of the house must present himself to the judges to determine whether or not he has taken his neighbour's property. In any case of wrongdoing, involving an ox, a donkey, a sheep, a garment or anything else lost, and someone claims, that's mine, the case between the two parties is to come before the judges. 
The one the judges condemn must repay double to his neighbour. When a man gives his neighbour a donkey, an ox, a sheep or any other animal to care for, but it dies, is injured or is stolen, while no one is watching, there must be an oath before the Lord between the two of them to determine whether or not he has taken his neighbour's property. Its owners must accept the oath and the other man does not have to make restitution. But if in fact the animal was stolen from his custody, he must make restitution to its owner. If it was actually torn apart by a wild animal, he is to bring it as evidence. He does not have to make restitution for the torn carcass. When a man borrows an animal from his neighbour and it is injured or dies while its owner is not there with it, the man must make full restitution. If its owner is there with it, the man does not have to make restitution. If it was rented, the loss is covered by its rental price. When a man seduces a virgin who is not promised in marriage and he has sexual relations with her, he must certainly pay the bridal price for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must pay an amount in silver equal to the bridal price for virgins. You must not allow a sorceress to live. Whoever has sexual intercourse with an animal must be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any gods, except the god alone, is to be set apart for destruction. You must not exploit a foreign resident or oppress him, since you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them, they will no doubt cry to me, and I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will burn and I will kill you with the sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to my people, to the poor person among you, you must not be like a moneylender to him. You must not charge him interest. If you ever take your neighbour's cloak as collateral, return it to him before sunset, for it is his only covering, it is the clothing for his body. What will he sleep in? And if he cries out to me, I will listen because I am compassionate. You must not blaspheme God or curse a leader among your people. You must not hold back offerings from your harvest or your vats. Give me the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and your flock. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but on the eighth day you are to give them to me. Be my holy people. You must not eat the meat of a mauled animal found in the field. Throw it to the dogs. You must not spread a false report. Do not join the wicked to be a malicious witness. You must not follow a crowd in wrongdoing. Do not testify in a lawsuit to go along with a crowd to pervert justice. Do not show favoritism to a poor person in his lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's stray ox or donkey, you must return it to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you lying helpless under its load, and you want to refrain from helping it, you must help it. You must not deny justice to the poor among you in his lawsuit. Stay far away from a false accusation. Do not kill the innocent and the just just because I will not justify the guilty. You must not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and corrupts the words of the righteous. You must not oppress a foreign resident. You yourselves know how it feels to be in a foreigner, because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. Sow your land for six years and gather its produce, but during the seventh year you are to let it rest and leave it uncultivated, so that the poor among your people may eat from it and the wild animals may consume what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Do your work for six days, but rest on the seventh day, so that your ox and your donkey may rest and the son of your female slave as well as the foreign resident may be refreshed. Pay strict attention to everything I have said to you, 
You must not invoke the names of other gods. They must be heard. They must not be heard on your lips. Celebrate a festival in my honour three times a year. Observe the festival of unleavened bread. As I commanded you, you are to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, because you came out of Egypt in that month. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Also observe the festival of harvest with the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field, and observe the festival of ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather your produce from the field. Three times a year all your meals are to appear before the Lord God. You must not offer the blood of my sacrifices with anything leavened. The fat of my festival offering must not remain until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your land to the house of the Lord your God. You must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. I am going to send an angel before you to protect you in the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Be attentive to him and listen to his voice. Do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. You must not bow down to their gods or worship them. Do not imitate their practices. Instead, demolish them and smash their sacred pillars to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. I will take away your illnesses. No woman will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you the full number of your days. I will cause the people ahead of you to feel terror and throw into confusion all the nations you come to. I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you and retreat. I will send a hornet in front of you and it will drive the Hivites, Canaanites and Hittites away from you. I will not drive them out ahead of you in a single year, otherwise the land would become desolate and wild animals would multiply against you. I will drive them out little by little ahead of you until you have become numerous and take possession of the land. I will set your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the wilderness to the Euphrates River. For I will place the inhabitants of the land under your control and you will drive them out ahead of you. You must not make a covenant with them or their gods. They must not remain in your land or else they will make you sin against me. If you worship their gods, it will be a snare for you. Moses came and told the people all the commands of the Lord and all the ordinances. Then all the people responded with a single voice, We will do everything that the Lord has commanded. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early the next morning and set up an altar and twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel at the base of the mountain. Then he sent out young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and set it in the basins. The other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. He then took the covenant scroll and read it aloud to the people. They responded, We will do and obey everything that the Lord has commanded. Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. Then he said to Moses, Go up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nabab and Abu, and seventy of Israelites' elders, and bow in worship at a distance. Moses alone is to approach the Lord, but the others are not to approach, and the people are not to go up with him. Then we skip out 
7 verses and continue from Exodus 24 verse 9. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nabab, and Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders, and they saw the God of Israel. Beneath his feet was something like a pavement made of sapphire stone, as clear as the sky itself. God did not harm the Israelite nobles. They saw him, and they ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain, and stay there, so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and commands I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and went up the mountain to God. He told the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. Aaron and Hur are here with you. Whoever has a dispute should go to them. When Moses went up the mountain, the cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses from the cloud. The appearance of the Lord's glory to the Israelites was like a consuming fire at the mountain top. Moses entered the cloud as he went up the mountain, and he remained on the mountain forty days and forty nights. The Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to take an offering for me. You are to take my offering from everyone whose heart stirs him to give. This is the offspring this is the offering you are to receive from them gold, silver, and bronze blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and manatee skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx along with other gemstones for mounting on the ephod and breastplate. They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. You must make it according to all that I show you, the design of the tabernacle, as well as the design of all its furnishings. And that ends day 33. Day 34, we go from Exodus 25, verse 10, through to 27, verse 15. And it's all about the instructions that God gives for the tabernacle. Exodus 25, verse 10. They are to make an ark of acacia wood, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold, overlay it both inside and out. Also make a gold moulding all around it. Cast four gold rings for it and place them on its four feet, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side. Make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark in order to carry the ark with them. The poles are to remain in the rings of the ark. They must not be removed from it. Put the tablets of the testimony that I will give you into the ark. Make a mercy seat of pure gold, 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. Make two cherubim of gold. Make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. Make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat at its two ends. The cherubim are to have wings spread out above, covering the mercy seat with their wings and are to face one another. The faces of the, of the cherubim should be towards the mercy seat. Set the mercy seat on top of the ark and put the testimony that I will give you into the ark. I will meet with you there above the mercy seat, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony. I will speak with you from there about all that I command you regarding the Israelites. You are to construct a table of acacia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold moulding all around it. 
make a three inch frame all around it and make a gold moulding for it all around its frame. Make four gold rings for it and attach the rings to the four corners at its four legs. The rings should be next to the frame as holders for the poles to carry the table. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold so that the table can be carried by them. You are also to make its plates and cups as well as its pitchers and bowls for pouring drink offerings. Make them out of pure gold. Put the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. Then we go to Leviticus 24 verses 5 to 9. Take fine flour and bake it into twelve loaves. Each loaf is to be made with four quarts. Arrange them in two rows, six to a row, on the pure gold table before the Lord. Place pure frankincense near each row so that it may serve as a memorial portion for the bread and a fire offering to the Lord. The bread is to be set out before the Lord every Sabbath day as a perpetual covenant obligation on the part of the Israelites. It belongs to Aaron and his sons who are to eat it in a holy place for it is the holiest portion for him from the fire offerings to the Lord. This is a permanent rule. And then back in the Exodus 25. You are to make a lampstand out of pure hammered gold. It is to be made of one piece, its base and shaft, its ornamental cups, and its calyxes and petals. Six branches are to extend from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from one side, and three branches of the lampstand from the other side. There are to be three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a calyx and petals. On the first branch, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a calyx and petals on the next branch. It is to be this way for the six branches that extend from the lampstand. There are to be four cups shaped like almond blossoms on the lampstand shaft, along with its calyxes and petals. For the six branches that extend from the lampstand, a calyx must be under the first pair of branches from it, a calyx under the second pair of branches from it, and a calyx under the third pair of branches from it. Their calyxes and branches are to be of one piece. All of it is to be a single hammered piece of pure gold. Make seven lamps on it. Its lamps are to be set up so they illuminate the area in front of it. Its snuffers and fire pans must be out of pure gold. The lampstand with all these utensils is to be made from 75 pounds of pure gold. Be careful to make everything according to the model of them you have been shown on the mountain. You are to construct the tabernacle itself with ten curtains. You must make them of finely spun linen and blue, purple and scarlet yarn, with a design of cherubim worked into them. The length of each curtain should be 42 feet and the width of each curtain 6 feet. All the curtains are to have the same measurements. Five of the curtains should be joined together and the other five curtains joined together. Make loops of blue blue yarn on the edge of the last curtain in the first set and do the same on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Make 50 loops in the one curtain and make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain in the second set so that the loops line up together. Also make 50 gold clasps and join the curtains together with the clasps so that the tabernacle may be a single unit. You are to make curtains of goat hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Make 11 of these curtains. The length of each curtain should be 45 feet and the width of each curtain 6 feet. All 11 curtains are to have the same measurements. Join 5 of the curtains by themselves and the other 6 curtains by themselves. Then fold the 6th curtain double at the front of the tent. Make 50 loops on the edge of that one curtain, the outermost in the first set, 
and make 50 loops on the edge of the corresponding curtain of the second set. Make 50 bronze clasps, put the clasps through the loops and join the tint together so that it is a single unit. As for the flap that is left over from the tint curtains, the leftover half curtain is to hang down over the back of the tabernacle. The half yard on one side and the half yard on the other of what is left over along the length of the tent curtains should be hanging down over the sides of the tabernacle on either side to cover it. Make a covering for the tent from ram skins dyed red and a covering of manatee skins on top of that. You are to make upright planks of acacia wood for the tabernacle. The length of each plank is to be 15 feet and the width of each plank 27 inches. Each plank must be connected together with two tenons. Do the same for all the planks of the tabernacle. Make the planks for the tabernacle as follows. 20 planks for the south side and make 40 silver bases under the 20 planks. Two bases under the first plank for its two tenons and two bases under the next plank for its two tenons. 20 planks for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, along with their 40 silver bases two bases under the first plank and two bases under each plank, and make six planks for the west side of the tabernacle. Make two additional planks for the two back corners of the tabernacle. They are to be paired at the bottom and joined together at the top in a single ring. So it should be for both of them. They will serve as the two corners. There are to be eight planks with their silver bases, 16 bases, two bases under the first plank and two bases under each plank. You are to make five crossbars or acacia wood for the planks on one side of the tabernacle, five crossbars for the planks on the other side of the tabernacle, and five crossbars for the planks of the back side of the tabernacle on the west. The central crossbar is to run through the middle of the planks from one end to the other, then overlay the planks with gold and make the rings of gold as the holders for the crossbars. Also overlay the crossbars with gold. You are to set up the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you have been shown on the mountain. You are to make a veil of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen with a design of cherubim worked into it. Hang it on four gold-plated posts of acacia wood that have gold hooks and that stand in four silver bases. The veil under the clasps and bring the Ark of the Testimony there behind the veil, so the veil will make a separation for you between the holy place and the most holy place. Put the mercy seat on the Ark of the Testimony in the most holy place. Place the table outside the veil, and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle, opposite the table, put the table on the north side. For the entrance to the tent, you are to make a screen embroidered with blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and finely spun linen. Make five posts of acacia wood for the screen and overlay them with gold. Their hooks are to be gold and you are to cast five bronze bases for them. You are to construct the altar of acacia wood. The altar must be square, seven and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide. It must be four and a half feet high. Make horns for it on its four corners. The horns are to be of one piece. Overlay it with bronze. Make its pots for removing ashes and its shovels, basins, meat forks and fire pans. Make all its utensils of bronze. Construct a grate for it of bronze mesh and make four bronze rings in the mesh at its four corners. Set it below, under the altar's ledge, so that the mesh comes halfway up to the altar. Then make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. 
The poles are to be inserted into the two rings, sorry, into their rings, so that the poles are on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Construct the altar with boards so that it is hollow. They are to make it just as it was shown to you on the mountain. You are to make the courtyard for the tabernacle. Make the hangings on the south of the courtyard out of finely spun linen, 150 feet long on that side. There are to be 20 posts and 20 bronze bases. The hooks and bands of the posts must be silver. Then make the hanging on the north side 150 feet long. There are to be 20 posts and 20 bronze bases. The hooks and bands of the posts must be silver. Make the hangings of the courtyard on the west side 75 feet long, including their 10 posts and 10 bases. Make the hangings of the courtyard on the east side towards the sunrise 75 feet. Make the hangings on one side of the gate 22 and a half feet, including their three posts and their three bases. And make the hangings on the other side 22 and a half feet, including three posts and their three bases. There we end our day 20, 34, and you will be asked to provide a drawing of what you have heard and of what you have made of. So, day 35, and we continue some of the things to do with the tabernacle. Um, going from Exodus 27, verse 9, uh, sorry, verse 16. Then we can jump into Exodus 30 and 31 before going back into 28. So it's a kind of roundabout way, but it'll make sense as we go through it. And I'll look forward to see those drawings of all that your tabernacle looks like. Um, but Exodus 27, 16. The gate of the courtyard is to have a 30-foot screen embroidered with blue, purple and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen. It is to have four posts, including their four bases. All of the posts around the courtyard are to be banded with silver and have silver hooks and bronze bases. The length of the courtyard is to be 150 feet, the width 75 feet at each end, and the height 7.5 feet, all of it made of finely spun linen. The bases of the posts must be bronze. All the tools of the tabernacle for every use and all its tent pegs as well as all the tent pegs of the courtyard are to be made of bronze. You are to command the Israelites to bring your pure oil from crushed olives for the light in order to keep the lamp burning continually. In the tent of meeting outside the veil that is in front of the testimony, Aaron and his sons are to tend the lamp from evening until morning before the Lord. This is to be a permanent statute for the Israelites throughout their generations. And here we go into Exodus, sorry, Leviticus 24, verses 1 to 4. The Lord spoke to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring you pure oil of beaten olives for the light, so that the lamp will burn regularly. Aaron is to tend it regularly from evening until morning before the Lord, outside the veil of the testimony in the tent of meeting. This is a permanent statute throughout your generations. He must regularly tend the lamps on the pure gold lampstand in the Lord's presence. And then we go to Exodus 30, verses 1 to 31, verse 11. You are to make an altar for the burning of incense. Make it of a wood. It must be square, 18 inches long and 18 inches wide. It must be 36 inches high. Its horns must be of one piece. Overlay its top all around its sides and its horns with pure gold. Make a gold moulding all around it. Make two gold rings for it under the moulding on two sides, on two of its sides. Put these on opposite sides of it to be holders for the poles to carry it with. Make the poles of a kaya wood and overlay them with gold. You are to place the altar in front of the veil by the Ark of Testimony. 
in front of the mercy seat that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on it. He must burn it every morning when he tends the lamps. When Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he must burn incense. There is to be an incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You must not offer unauthorized incense on it or a burnt or grain offering. You are not to pour a drink offering on it. Once a year, Aaron is to perform the purification rite on the horns of the altar. Throughout your generations, he is to perform the purification rite for it once a year with the blood of the sin offering for atonement. The altar is especially holy to the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, When you take a census of the Israelites to register them, each of the men must pay a ransom for himself to the Lord as they are registered. Then no plague will come on them as they are registered. Everyone who is registered must pay, pay half a shekel according to the sanctuary shekel, twenty giras to the shekel. This half shekel is a contribution to the Lord. Each man who is registered, twenty years old or more, must give this contribution to the Lord. The wealthy may not give more, and the poor may not give less than half a shekel when giving the contribution to the Lord to atone for your lives. Take the atonement money from the Israelites and use it for the service of the tent of meeting. It will serve as a reminder for the Israelites before the Lord to atone for your lives. The Lord spoke to Moses, Make a bronze basin for washing and a bronze stand for it. Set it between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons must wash their hands and feet from the basin. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister by burning up an offering to the Lord, they must wash with water so that they will not die. They must wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a permanent statute for them, for Aaron and his descendants throughout their generations. The Lord spoke to Moses, Take for yourself the finest spices, twelve and a half pounds of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is six and a quarter pounds, of fragrant cinnamon, twelve and a quarter pounds of fra- fragrant cane, twelve and a half pounds of cassis, cassia, by the sanctuary shekel, and one gallon of olive oil. Prepare from these a holy anointing oil, a scented blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be holy anointing oil. With it you are to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table with all its utensils, the lampstand with its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin with its stand. Consecrate them, and they will be especially holy. Whatever touches them will be consecrated. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them to serve me as priests. Tell the Israelites, This will be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It must not be used for ordinary anointing on a person's body, and you must not make anything like it using its formula. It is holy, and it must be holy to you. Anyone who blends something like it or puts some of it on an unauthorized person must be cut off from his people. The Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, stacked onica and galbanum, the spices and pure frankincense are to be in equal measures. Prepare expertly blended incense from these. It is to be seasoned with salt, pure and holy. Grind some of it into a fine powder and put some in front of the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It must be especially holy to you. As for the incense you are making, you must not make any for yourselves using its formula. 
it is to be regarded by you as sacred to the Lord. Anyone who makes something like it to smell its fragrance must be cut off from his people. The Lord also spoke to Moses, Look, I have appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding and ability in every craft to design artistic works in gold, silver and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for work in every craft. I have also selected Oholabab, son of Ashmeach of the tribe of Dan to be with him. I have placed wisdom within every skilled craftsman in order to make all that I have commanded you. The tent of meeting, the ark of testimony, the mercy seat that is on top of it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table with its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, the basin with its stand, the specially woven garments, both the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to serve as priests, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the sanctuary. They must make them according to all that I have commanded you. Then we go into Exodus 28. Verses 1 through to 30, and you'll see why, because it talks about these garments of the priests. Have your brother Aaron with his sons come to you from the Israelites to serve me as priest. Aaron, his sons Nadab, Abihu, Elizer, and Ithamar. Make holy garments for your brother Aaron, for glory and beauty. You are to instruct all the skilled craftsmen whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom to make Aaron's garments for consecrating him to serve me as priest. These are the garments that they must make. A breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a specially woven tunic, a turban and a sash. They are to make holy garments for your brother Aaron and his sons so that they may serve me as priests. They should use gold, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. They are to make the ephod of finely spun linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple and scarlet yarn. It must have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so that it can be joined together. The artistically woven waistband that is on the ephod must be of one piece according to the same workmanship of gold, of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and of finely spun linen. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of Israel's sons, six of their names on the first stone and the remaining six names on the second stone in the order of their birth. Engrave the two stones with their names of Israel's sons as a gem cutter engraves a seal. Mount them surrounded with gold filigree settings. Fasten both stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the Israelites. Aaron will carry their names on his two shoulders before the Lord as a reminder. Fashion gold filigree settings and two chains of pure gold. You will make them of braided cord work and attach the cord chains to the setting. You are to make an embroidered breastplate piece for decisions. Make it with the same workmanship as the ephod, making it of gold, of blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and of finely spun linen. It must be square and folded double, nine inches long and nine inches wide. Place a setting of gemstones on it, four rows of stones. The first row should be a row of carnelian, topaz and emerald. The second row a turquoise, a sapphire and a diamond. The third row, a jacinth, an ajat, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They should be adorned with gold filigree in their settings. 
The twelve stones are to correspond to the names of Israel's sons. Each stone must be engraved like a seal with one of the names of the twelve tribes. You are to make a braided chain of pure gold cord work for the breastpiece. Fashion two gold rings for the breastpiece and attach them to its two corners. Then attach the two gold cords to the two gold rings at the corners of the breastpiece. Attach the other ends of the two cords to the two filigree settings and in this way attach them to the ephod's shoulder pieces in the front. Make two other gold rings and put them at the two other corners of the breastpiece on the edge that is near to the inner border of the ephod. Make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the ephod's two shoulder pieces on its front, close to its seam and above the ephod's woven waistband. The craftsmen are to tie the breastpiece from its rings to the rings of the ephod with a cord of blue yarn, so that the breastpiece is above the ephod's waistband and does not come loose from the ephod. Whenever he enters the sanctuary, Aaron is to carry the names of Israel's sons over his heart on the breastpiece for decisions, as a continual reminder before the Lord. Place the Urim and Thummim in the breastpiece for decisions, so that they will also be over Aaron's heart whenever he comes before the Lord. Aaron will continually carry the means of decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. There we end, day 35. And the end of week 5. Hopefully you've been enjoying it so far, and hopefully you can continue into week 6.